What up, what up, what up? Welcome to the Real Talk with AJ Podcast. What's going on, sir? How you doing? I'm good. And yourself, brother? Good, good. Good to hear from you out there in Colleen, Texas. How's everything going out there in Bell County today, sir? Oh, everything's going well out here. I wish this weather was a little bit more warmer, but hey, you can't control the weather. You get us control what you can do with the weather. This is true. I feel you, man. Global warming is real. I mean, that wind was howling all day yesterday. Now the sun is out and uh, a little chilly out here in Las Vegas. But yeah, the weather's been a little topsy-turvy this past week. But like you said, it's all good. Just do the best you can with what you can. And that's all all you can do. That's all you can do. I appreciate you joining on my podcast here. I really appreciate the support. Uh, get the word out. Before we get started, we're going to do some introductions. I'll allow you to give a brief bio about yourself, sir. Mike is yours. Right, well, I appreciate it. One of the things I just want to throw it back on you and just say, hey, thank you for allowing me to share this moment of time with Will to the listeners out there. My name is Willie McIntosh, originally from Chicago, Illinois, uh, born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. And I was raised by my auntie. She adopted me. I wasn't raised by my biological parents. And my auntie, bless her heart, she was the one who took me from the hospital and she raised me and she raised me well. Still in the family that, you know, graduated high school, went to college and I went to the military at the age of 17. I knew I always wanted to do from finding my auntie's, you know, husband's uniform in the closet after seeing that uniform well i want to go to the military and at 17 years old you know i decided to make that happen and she signed the papers and off i went i was the youngest one in basic training 17 years old in basic training filled with grown people educated people and i'm proud to serve in the united states army it made me a better man maturity it helped me become just a better individual because of the people that i met along this journey. You know, that is something that I can't replace. And although 20 years in the army, I found myself, you know, of entrepreneurship 13 years ago. My very first business was a dance studio. Started out in Fayetteville, out at Fort Bragg, because we just like to dance. And then uh, we started teaching people. Started to grow very fast, just from helping people, you know, just experience the art of dancing. From there, fast forward, I've been able to just become an entrepreneur and train other people in the entrepreneurship and allow them to get some of their dreams and goals off the ground so they can thrive and just create more happiness. That's where I am. Beautiful wife. You know, my wife's originally born and raised in Italy and uh, I met her in Italy. Now we got a a four-year-old on, on, uh, she'll be four years old. And I just love life right now, you know. Uh, just love obstacles that came in my way when they could have knocked me down. And uh, just really just to be here amongst good people. I appreciate that, sir. That's an awesome introduction from Brother Willie McIntosh out there, a.k.a. the CEO. Uh, he's been doing his thing, like he said, entrepreneur-wise and military-wise now, buying 30 years plus. Uh, I am the Norwood disciple, Tony Joseph, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, Norwood, North 31st Street, Road Tide. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Appreciate the love. Tough year off of I-20 West. Like Brother McIntosh, I'm also a military veteran, retiree, 26 years. Got three kids, four grandkids. Love the sports. Love to travel. Love to learn. Love to make people 
happy and stimulate them intellectually. Uh, once again, this is the Real Talk with AJ Podcast. So wherever you at in Accra, Ghana, Melbourne, Australia, Copenhagen, Denmark, the Boise, Idaho, if you tune in and out there or go download this podcast, please follow me on Spotify, Apple, your favorite links out there. Like Brother McIntosh alluded to, it is truly a blessing to be amongst brothers. Myself and Brother McIntosh, we go back to 2015-16 time frame in Vicenza, Italy. Masonic Brothers doing our things over there. And I'm honored to have Brother McIntosh here on my podcast because he's a very, very motivated individual, a good brother, strong man, good head on his shoulders, knows where he's going, always keeps his fingers on the pulse, and always looking for opportunities not only to survive, but to thrive. Started out with some current events. I hope you've been keeping up with, with what's going on. Uh, I know you. I know you got a very active schedule, but I wanted to get your thoughts on those uh, three Marines that were arrested. That were arrested or charged for a storm in the Capitol. Yeah, I was reading into that, looking at some articles on that as well. I was just surprised to hear that. But this is real talk, right? Yeah, real talk. No bars hold. Don't hold back, sir. So, looking at the three Marines now, some people might say, "Oh, these military." people they shouldn't be doing things like that not everybody that put on a uniform has the best intention now what i think about it is what in their right mind would drive to do that knowing that they're on active duty they can be so sure with with their political views with all that stuff but you gotta remember at the end of the day you're still a military service member. And then to go posting on your Instagrams, you know, and I just think it's a, it's a disservice to a lot of the men and women in uniform because what happens is when you see things like that, it makes our job by being a good service member more difficult because then you got the public eye, you know, mm-hmm. so it kind of it kind of makes it bad for a, a couple of the good guys out there because you're just ease of, hey, can I really trust our men and women in uniform if they're doing things like this? Now, again, I'm going to just repeat, we all have strong political views, right? Mm-hmm. But to be in a particular place like that doing destruction, oh, no, you, you man, it caught me by surprise, but it didn't catch me by surprise. I'm going to just leave it at that. Well, I can still remember watching January 6th. I had just got back to the States. I was home from November to December and end of 2020 for work and vacation time when I got back. And I know the election was still hot and heavy and a lot of people were still bitter about it. A lot of people were still saying it was stolen. It was a fake election, like fake news. But all that being said, I was just amazed and flabbergasted as well as how that talk was permeating throughout the work office when I got back to work. And I can remember coming back to work the morning after the insurrection, the storming on the Capitol, uh, some people were quick to say that was Antifa, or that was Black Lives Matter, or that was the FBI, or people were paid to do it. And I get it, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. We have freedom of speech. But on the flip side, we all know being in the military when you start p- talking about politics, sex, religion, gender, that stuff is not only off limits, but unauthorized. You know, we're supposed right. to be we're supposed to be apolitical and, and keep our political views and keep our views on society to ourselves. We're only supposed to see one color, and that's camouflage. Right. And 
having been almost a little over two years later, finding out about all these military folks that were participating in that storming of the Capitol, as well as posting stuff on social media and, and saying all these negative things, excuse me, about the government and the military, from active duty folks to reservists to National Guards to first responders, it kind of made me wonder, like, man, are people really patriotic or are they only patriotic when it suits them? And, exactly. And having various conversations throughout the world with different folks, you're going to get different answers about what patriotism means. And you still being in uniform, still being on active duty, what, what kind of things have you seen or heard or witnessed or had to put the squash on since the end of 2020 when it comes to this whole uproar of political upheaval or just social unrest or things like that, if you would like to share with us, please. Yeah, some of the things that I had to kind of squash in, in, in the workplace. When I'm talking about the workplace, you know, just like you say, I'm with soldiers every single day. And I have to squash, even though you don't see it as much, it's still some racial stuff going out there in our service members in our uniform. And like you said, we should only see one color and that is camouflage. But depending on where people stay, the, the homes that they grew up, some people got really, really strong views. So some of the things that, you know, was going around in my offices, oh, the election was stolen, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't like, oh, you black people stole, you know, the election. Mm-hmm. No, it, you know, they're talking about Democrats, mm-hmm. but they wanted to tie it back to, well, how is that any difference when black lives matters? forms together because right because somebody got killed and i'm like listen let's think about this right if a black lives matter protest happens because somebody got killed right something like that Mm -hmm. nine times out of the ten it's because police officers overstepping Mm -hmm. the rules of engagements or you know things like that But I tied it back to this. There's rules, laws, and regulations and processes. We've been doing elections in this country since the U.S. been founded, 1776, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that we do got its checks and balances. Mm -hmm. And when I told them, did you silence on January 6th? Have we ever did anything like that? Have we stormed the Capitol? Mm -hmm. This was a attack on democracy on U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, listen, let's not bring it all in the workplace. We can have fruitful discussions and healthy discussions, but we got to think about it. We wear this uniform. We're to abide by the law, you know, mm-hmm. more so more than a civilian. So mm-hmm. what we got to do, we got to put ourselves on a platform better than everybody else. And we really got to protect the freedoms of everybody, the democracy of everybody, no matter your political views. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was was some talk around the office and things like that, but I was like, we got to squash it. And if we can't squash it, we can't talk about it. Just from giving them that example of saying, hey, it's okay to express your concerns for your race, religion, and more importantly, politics, but Mm -hmm. it's a way to do it. Do you think that way solved anything? Do you think mm-hmm. that way solved anything or made America better? All it did was divide us more. And from mm-hmm. that conversation, that made a lot of people think. 
And a lot of the people that was having those conversations about the office, you know, they, they're kind of, what am I saying and what am I doing that's being a more of a divider than bringing mm-hmm. us together? Mm-hmm. Preach, brother. Preach. Those are awesome, awesome points. I mean, I think you're definitely stimulating the consciousness and putting those questions out there, those, those tough conversations that people tend to shy away from. I remember when I first came in the military way back in 1989, last century, we, we, were, <laughs> we, we were able to agree to disagree and vice versa, disagree to agree. And I think that's kind of like out the window now. You either got to take everything I say as a gospel and just run with it. And people coming into the military now, obviously more politically savvy with social media and technology and things of that, of that nature. Because there's so many different platforms where you can get your news from, where you mm-hmm. can get your information from, which makes the, each generation get more in tune or keen on stuff that they probably didn't pay attention to, like when I was coming up. But like you said, you've been in now for 20 years. So what, what type of cultural changes, paradigm shifts have you seen in the military and the Army over your two decades of service, sir? Um no more teamwork. Mm, interesting. Can you elaborate no on that? Teamwork. Yeah, when I join, if you look at my life, I'm always a part of something that has some type of organization, some form of structure to it. I wanted to be in the military. I was in mm-hmm. JRTC in you know, high school. I was a music major. You know, I'm a Masonic brother. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in the community. You know, if I didn't go to the military, I wanted to be a police officer or a firefighter. I just know that seeing people work together as a team, it can get anything done. When I came into the military, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. You know, as paratroopers, we jump out of all this crazy stuff. But when I came in in 2002, I would say 2002 to about 2012, Mm-hmm. It was about team that you knew your your soldier's wife's name, you knew mm-hmm. their kids' name, you knew the things that they liked things together, and it much so wasn't. I'm gonna listen to this guy because of what's on his chest. No, I listen to yo's my senior officers because they treated me like a a human being and they cared for me. And when we got to the office, they cared for me as a soldier as well. But these days into the Army, I see it less and less. And it's more of a cutthroat now. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, what can I do to help you get promoted? Now you don't hear your your peers saying that. Your peers are working in a figure out how to pull you down in order to climb up. And when Mm. you this is a Willie McIntosh point of view. I say that because the system is changing so much, but with time, it's making it impossible for a person to, you know, be a team player and still get or rewarded for its efforts because that's mm-hmm. how the system is being created. And with the evolution of the system changing in the promotion system and things like that, it's making people more cutthroat than teamwork. It's very rare that you can find an officer or NCO out there that knows their family, knows their their the things that they should know because 
I look at that and I try to stay that same broad up as in the military to know Mm -hmm. my guys, because Mm -hmm. when we go out there, I'm in charge of bringing Ryan back home a lot and see my senior NCOs and officers back in the day, tally like, like, uh, sorry, McIntosh, especially McIntosh ain't just leaving his family, you know, Mm -hmm. and whatever happens, happens. No, them guys had a responsibility to bring me back home alive. Mm-hmm. And they murdered me into being that same NCO this day. And that's why I continue to stay in the service this day because I feel as if I'm just one person. But as long as I have breath in my body, I want to impact somebody in uniform because it's a lot of soldiers out there who thought they were going to be in, in an organization that's really tight and, and, and close-knit because that's what we preach. Mm-hmm. They're like, man, I thought somebody was going to pick me up at reception. And I'm just like, yo, how far off are we? You know, because saying, you know, I think the army is more so the output, 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 output. They forget Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're not looking at the issues and making sure people are first, you're going to lose those people. And we saw that last year with the retention and the recruitment. No Mm -hmm. uh, branch met their recruiting quotas for 2022. They missed them by almost 30%. Wow. They were offering people a $50,000 bonus up to a $150,000 bonus if they signed 30. So you can look at it two ways. They're like, oh, the army need people. Yeah, they need not in a state of war. So why do we desperately need people like that? It's because of culture. Now, I'm not bashing the military or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I believe we can do a better job. And like I was alluding to earlier, I, I chose to stay in after 20 because I believe I still got in order to mature our younger soldiers and let them know that, hey, when you do come into this army, people will care about you and you can you have a legacy of care, you know, to people in uniform and out of the uniform. Because if people, if my NCOs didn't care for me, I don't think I would be Macintosh who I am to this day. So, you know, a lot of things have changed. That teamwork that, you know, I grew up into for the first year, you know, it was really solid. And then the latter 10 years, you don't see that as much, especially in my MOS. And we're kind of, you know, focused on ourselves. We don't have junior enlisted soldiers. We don't have those things. A lot of cutthroat coming into this job. Like it's very rare that you get a peer that's willing to out, hey, what degree should I get? Because if they know if you get that degree, you might outshine them. Mm-hmm. So it's very cutthroat like that. People will tell you, "Oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what certificates you should get." You know, and that's not how I roll. You know, all my soldiers—they're like, "Yo, you need to take this. You got to take this. You got to take this." It's an open book all day, every day. Because if I can mm-hmm. help them get ahead, guess what? They're getting ahead not because they want to be a hot shot. They got a family. Too. I believe you know the teamwork aspect has really got uh, a little bit off the line. And I believe we can bring it back. It just comes with the culture. You know, everything has its cycles. And I believe as the world change, you know, so does the military. But I do see a way for the future that we can get it back. Because the Army is, the Army, I can speak for the Army, we are having a people first initiative, bringing back that family time, you know. So teamwork has changed, you know, teamwork. Yeah, I can definitely relate to some of the things that you just elaborated on and and I have experienced some of those things as well how 
I think when I first came into the Army, the Army was definitely all about leadership, discipline, responsibility, doing the right thing without being told or doing the right thing, stepping up without people seeing you doing it. You did it because you knew it was the right thing to do. And I heard it a uh, quote a few weeks ago. Some people come from the generation where they see something, they did something. And now the generational view might be when you see something, you just say something or you don't go out there and do something. And mm -hmm. I can definitely see how the military, the army, we've kind of incorporated a lot of civilian ideas, a lot of private corporation practices into the ranks. And that may, may have softened it up a little bit, if that's the right word to use, or made us more culturally aware, but maybe sometimes too culturally aware, because our job is to ultimately to engage and destroy the enemy. And with some of the things that I've seen going on as a soldier, as well as a Department of Army civilian, I can definitely see how things have evolved over 30 plus years and are continuing to evolve. And that's an interesting point that you brought up about retention and recruitment. So what does Master Sergeant Willie McIntosh, Senior Non-Commissioned Officer, Senior NCO, what do you say to Bobby Anderson out on the street who comes up to you and strikes up a conversation and say, hey, I'm thinking about joining the Army. What are your thoughts? What is the advice that you can give me? So if you would say that, I would say that's an awesome goal of yours. But then I will often go back and say, you know, what motivates you to, you know, have that thought or that want or that goal to say, hey, I want to go into the military. Because it's more so, you know, people typically, you know, as old guys, we typically join the military to travel the world make a good paycheck and retire mm -hmm. now person who joins the military and you know it's just a real talk they ain't got no option <laughs> okay you know yeah. you know i ask a guy you know hey do you got a degree you know say hey what do you like to do you know and then you know i love electronics i love you know doing computers and stuff like that but i didn't go to college after high school i'd be like not a problem i think the military would be best for you mm -hmm. because the military is a well or machine that's going to train you on how to get better at what you like most so if you want to engineer in the it world hey the military got something for you they're going to send you to school get you all of your certifications while you paycheck, dental, healthcare, some life insurance. Mm -hmm. And guess what? You can do four four years and you can get out and take those skills to private America and be phenomenal with them. Or if you turn out that you like it, you can become mm -hmm. a lifer. Also, the military is an awesome, awesome, awesome career, a uh, self-starter. You know, I'm talking to my son now about uh, because he wants to get into IT as well. And, and I often tell them, I'm like, son, if you want to go to college, you can do that. But I am going to recommend you go to the military because you haven't finished learning yet. So you learned how to get out of high school. But you haven't learned. And we done taught you how to be responsible. We taught you how to be respectful. Now you got to be taught how to pay some bills, have responsibility, and that you can only figure out the solution for and I'd rather you figure that out in the military than in college. Also, for college, you're going to get that degree, that associate, that bachelor's, and then you got to go back and get certifications. In the military, you go straight for your certification. So you can knock out two birds with one stone 
so I would talk to any individuals just like I, you know, and telling them why the military would be the best, especially from 18 to 21 years old, 18, 19, 20, 21. I often tell people, why do you think there's four years for a man between 18 to 21 to be legal? Because it gives them a chance. I wish I had to go to the military, especially the young man after they get out of college. Because I, I mean, out of high school, because I look at some of these countries where it's a requirement are a little bit more responsible. Mm-hmm. They're mature, you know, and I'm not taking any away from any any male. And I just tell you, between the ages of 18 and 21, you're still trying to figure out life. So right. I tell any gentleman, like I tell my my son, if you go to the military, you're gonna get a paycheck, a place to live, a job, your dental. You're gonna learn a skill set that you can take to the marketplace as a civilian and thrive. Because between one, you're still figuring out life. You don't know how to pay a bill. But in the mm-hmm. military, at least you can learn how to pay a bill. No, no, that's that's great stuff. I mean, you're definitely hidden in some very solid points there. And I can definitely relate. When I came in 18, 19, I was young, dumb, didn't know what I wanted to do, thought I knew everything, and probably didn't know anything until I reached my 40s. So, wow. Definitely... Hey, I'm like that now. <laughs> but I, I definitely relate to having that, that commitment of service, selfless service, giving of yourself, that personal courage, teaching you to sacrifice. I mean, those are all leadership principles. And quite frankly, they're, they're life principles. And and, and yes. one thing that, listening to what you were saying, that, that people don't understand, it took me a long time to understand. It's like things are parallel in life. You can see things in the military that are parallel to civilian life. You can see things in civilian life that are parallel to the military. And the reason that is because a lot of people that served in the military, like you said, they went to private America, they went to private corporations, or they started out in the military and, and went to go private or vice versa. So a lot of the rules, business practices, techniques, tactics, and procedures, whether it's from accounting, the medical field, the logistics field, communications field, you see some of the same standing operating procedures. But I, I think what separates the military and the civilian world, obviously, is that discipline and that right. ethos. And those are some of the things where I think people who haven't served in, in the military can't grasp unless they have somebody to educate them or they have family members that serve in the military and come back and tell them these things. You know, I definitely see how the military saved me in a lot of ways with education taught me how to pay bills, like you said, taught me how to be financially as well as fiscally responsible, taught me how to learn from the past to make a better present and to build for a better future. And if you go into it, the mindset, like I said, selfless service, knowing that the needs of the many outweigh your needs, I think that will make you a better woman and man once you take off the uniform and you understand what it is to sacrifice and to miss birthdays and to go on deployments and things like that. Yeah, yeah. If, if you don't mind, let's let's talk. I got something to what you just said. Okay, go ahead, sir. So, listening to what you you was talking about the parallels, right? Mm-hmm. The military really instills for me. I if it wasn't for the discipline that my aunt to me, I probably wouldn't have made it through basic training. But basic mm-hmm. training molded me as well. You know, discipline in the military that you get is unparalleled from anything out there. And when a man or 
alum gets into any branch of service and gets inducted into that discipline and they use it properly, most outstanding citizens in this country. So when you put those people into the military, they come out right, because everybody don't come out right, but when they do come <laughs> out right, they're your, they're your leaders that you manage in your companies. They're right. the people that you want on your city council. Those are the people that you want in your classroom mm -hmm. because they know what it means about sacrifice, putting other people before their own, leading people. Mm -hmm. And it's different. You know, I was talking to one of my NCOs the other day and she was like, her mom, you know, often texts her was like, you know, hey, did you hear this on the news? I can't believe this such and such has happened. Mm-hmm. And for for and I can same thing, my wife's Italian. So a lot of the things that's happened here in the United States catches her off guard. Like, you know, people taking other people's cars and stuff like that, just things like that, you know, shootings and things like that, just random shootings. Mm -hmm. Them, that's to them, that's like, yeah, it, it shouldn't be happening at all. It should. You tell the same stuff to a military person, it doesn't seem so abrasive to us because we're in tune with bad things happening. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about how different we feel and as we think, you know, military or combat veteran at times, like, because I'll be honest with you, a lot of stuff don't surprise me, man. A lot of boy, people are <laughs> weird. People are weird. I don't put nothing past these days, boy. And I think because of the military, I done seen some real crazy situations. I done been in some real situations in the military, you uh -huh. know, in combat and negotiating deals. I done seen a lot of stuff. So I'm, I grew up in the streets of Chicago, too. So let's not just put it on the military. I grew up in the streets of Chirac. So... <laughs> You know, stuff don't surprise me. Like, like, yo, stuff really don't surprise me, but that's that parallel, right? That military. That's why I say, hey, if you catch a, a man or a lady that was in the military and they come out and they harness those skills, they're some of the finest men and women out there in the country. And we need more of those people. I would say probably about 63 to 70% of the people that are some of our congressmen's or those political personnel, they have a military background. Some of the best CEOs or managerial personnel, they got a military background. Why? That organization, that leadership, that commitment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They lead the world, you know? And to be in the world and society these days, it takes a couple of things. And the number one thing that it takes is mm -hmm. That's so true, brother. I mean, you, you definitely preaching the real talk here. And uh, I, really, I really appreciate you sharing these intellectual thoughts. What part of Chicago you from again? The north side or the south side? Boy, I ain't from no north side. We stay in the south side. So, so that means you're a White Sox fan. <laughs> nah, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs fan. Uh, Aren't the Cubs on the north side? Yeah, they are. I know. Yeah, that don't make no sense at all. But you know what? It, it's, it always surprised people why a lot of south siders are a north side team because the cubs do more for the community than the white Sox. really that's the, that's the truth in chicago we support mm. the cubs more so because they're out in the community it's very rare that the white Sox on the south side of chicago do something mm -hmm. for the south side of chicago but the cubs they're everywhere they're in school 
low income, middle income, you know, private mm-hmm. schools. They're at them all doing things for the community. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just me growing up in my era in Chicago. We didn't mm-hmm. see them getting down in the community. So we didn't rock with them. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. we didn't yeah, rock that, with them. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I've been to Rigby Field when I used to live out in Waukegan. Feels like a hundred years ago. I've been to old Comiskey. I think I went to new Comiskey as well. And of course, when I was there, nobody wanted anything. The Bears, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bulls. Seems like every place I go, and then when I leave, they, they become champions. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's that bad juju you got. <laughs> Although the Aces won the championship this year out here for the WNBA, so maybe I broke that juju. But, hey, uh, hey, okay, okay. <laughs> but you are the, the CEO, like I alluded to earlier in the show. You do have a strong entrepreneurial swag about you, sense, business sense. And I just want you to kind of talk about to the artists, like you said, you've been doing it now for 13 years. So just talk about where you started, your trials and tribulations and, and where you are today when it comes to being a business owner like yourself and just getting out there and, and seeking opportunities to make life better for yourself and your family and friends. Absolutely. So I started my first business, you know, as a dance instructor, like legal business. And when I say legal business, being like selling drugs or anything like that, yeah, I am from Chicago, but nothing like that. I used to cut hair, you know, I used to mow lawns. I used to do anything to make a buck because we're very resourceful from the city, right? But the first legitimate business that I own, you know, dance instructor. And it kind of went from a hobby to turning that hobby into a, a business. And we have franchised up to 11 studios in the U.S. and in Europe and in Africa. And uh, it came from just turning something that I had a passion for and then bringing it right back to the community. And I went from owning a dance studio and then I got introduced to relationship marketing where people know it as like your Avon's, your Mary Kay's, your Tupperware and things like that. And I got started in that industry not knowing what that was because a lot of the industry gets a bad rap because of the misconception that a lot of people have for it. So when you got a lot of people doing something, they don't know what to do. Guess what? It's probably going to be portrayed that it's something fishy. That's the just nature of the beast. But I really love the concept of network marketing or relationship marketing. It's just like owning a business. You got to sell a product or you got to sell a service, but you got to be really good to do it. So I I got started in that industry and I really sunk my teeth into it. And what I mean, that industry told me one thing, you need to work on yourself, Willie McIntyre. Because, and what I mean by that is in the military, I was one way, right? I'm supposed to be there at six o'clock. I'm there at five 30. So I had a lot of discipline. I was all that stuff, but I was done with school. So I didn't pick up a book at all. And when I got into the network marketing industry, it's really all personal development. So they teach you how to work on yourself. Why is because that's the first thing a business partner will see. So if you don't work on yourself, you can't expect good if you're not good. Personal development was a really big shift for me. And when I started really, really keying in on personal development, listening to the right people, reading up right books, 
going to, you know, seminars on how to, you know, speak effectively. I still haven't got that down packed yet, my heart. But moreover, you know, it really worked on me. And I'm some ranks into that network marketing company. And, you know, we produced over $5 million worth of sale, uh, 7,000 business partners. And that gave me a lot of freedom money because it built skills that I could take back to the traditional business as a small business owner and mm -hmm. just run circles around the average person who had to figure it all out. And because of the things that I learned into the industry back, and that's how we started to scale our dance studios. And it went from opening the dance studios, more dance studios, to then me and my brother, we started a law firm down in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And we shut that down. We sold the rights to that over to somebody who really had legal stuff. But we got it started because my brother went to school for law, mm -hmm. you know. And when I say brother, he ended up being like a blood brother, you know. And his, his grandma was the first black judge in Atlanta. So his family came from a line, a lineage of people in the legal field. It's just been an amazing thing. My son and daughter started it. I got them starting their own first businesses. They own an online club, things like that. And I just love, and right now I have the pleasure of consulting for a lot of people owning their own. And that went from a passion to now I believe that what my purpose is from God, showing people how to own their own business because like you can pay yourself. And everybody, if you ask the majority of people out there, they often say they want to own their own business. They just don't know what it is and how to do it. You know, so becoming an entrepreneur to me was one of the best things that I could do in service. And I end with that. The reason why I train, I speak to people, especially our soldiers, any business while in uniform, I really caveat the home-based business though, because while in uniform, your business can go under, but your rent still paid. And the same thing if I'm talking to a civilian with a with a job, you can start formulating and executing a business. And if that business fails, your rent and your lights are still paid. But it's going to be very hard for a person that doesn't have anything to start because when they start that business, it's going to consume them because they got to use that money to pay a bill. And mm -hmm. honest, you know, it, over 70% of people who start any type of business out there, they close within a 12 month period. Mm -hmm. Statistical data is already stacked against, it's stacked against you if you want to open that salon, that food truck business, that supermarket, that car wash, it's already stacked against you. But when you can find the right person and put mine and you're prepared to execute, you're going to thrive. So I really, you know, kind of more from not just being an entrepreneur, but entrepreneurs on how to start their business, stabilize their business, and then scale their business. Awesome points, man. You're speaking very adequately when it comes to all the topics today. What are some of the tips that you would give somebody? I know you just talked about the three S's, but what is one tip you would give a potential home-based business owner or a person wanting to open a restaurant or a bar outside of the three S's that you just mentioned? Faith. Mm. Yeah, awesome. because, uh, yeah, if in what you're doing, that first friction point, that first obstacle, gut in your stomach, and it's going to have you rethinking everything you put your mind to. Mm -hmm. So you got to be so grounded in your faith that this is gonna work and i often tell people see it ain't about the thing 
it ain't about if the thing works. It comes down to you and your belief because you can have a not ready product to bring to the marketplace, but it will still work if you have the belief and faith because your customers are looking for the next best thing. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the faith that it's going to work, you're going to knock out the box before you even get to the start line. And that's really the line in the sand for a lot of people. And it's not just because of an internal feeling. It's because we're in a world filled with so much negativity. We started off real talk, talk January 6th. You know, it's all around us. See, every time we wake up every day, we fight to be in society because it's so much negativity already out there. If you turn on a radio right now, the first thing that you're going to hear is, oh, what does that do to your faith when you want to start a restaurant? But you're driving five of them boarded up. It's going to kill your faith. But I just want to tell you this. Have faith when other people don't have faith in you. Because at the end of the day, your dreams are so worth it. Because they're your dreams. Yeah, it's good stuff, brother. You, you definitely on a real talk tip. Have you ever considered being a motivational speaker? I often say this. I'm be late or, or titled motivational speaker. I want to do just like the faith to do with this podcast. I just want to talk real talk about real stuff to real people. And if the motivation is due to go out there and do something, my job is done. You know, I just been in a lot of situations. People ask me successful in business because I work my butt off. That's it. I work my butt off. When every leaping I'm work, I'm working. And it doesn't make me better than anybody. It just makes me want it more than, you know, other people. And I'm not saying people out there don't want it. It's people out there getting up at seven o'clock and they getting the job done. But see, for me, from where I grew up, I early stay late. Other people can show up on time and they can make it, but that ain't never worked for me where I come from. Right, right. So all I know is show up early, stay late, get the job done. And that's why. And then surround myself with people like you. See, people out there, they ain't got your best intentions. Ain't nothing from them. But like they say, we got the option to change just like a radio station. If you don't like the lifestyle that you're in, you got that option to change it if you got breath in your body, blood running through it. So mm-hmm. you can change those things. So, uh, man, I can talk about anything you want to talk about in a lot of situations. i just been living life, experiencing some things, know how to overcome some things. And I use my home and a lot of obstacles to be a light for somebody else. People don't like to say, hey, I'm divorced. Hey, I'm divorced. Mm -hmm. You know, divorce ain't all bad. It's some good. If you look at the bad stuff, it's some good into it. So Mm -hmm. my story, if it motivates people, I appreciate it. But I just want to give you something to stay in the game about whatever you want to do. If you want to be that athlete, go out there and do it. Run that extra mile because I guarantee you it's going to quit at the finish line. But if you run five feet past that finish line, you're going to get one up on that guy. You know, if you want to be that beautician out, you're doing an average of three heads a day, do four. Mm, real talk, real talk. You know, talk. I'm just real saying, talk. man, just body steal your dreams because – you know, we live in a negative world and, you know, we got to fight so hard to see the positive around things. If you don't have that faith in what you're doing, you're going to be cut out the box, man. You're going to be cut out. Chalk them up. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're going to proceed to the closing comments. I'm going to keep the microphone with you, sir. I'll go ahead and let you get some closing comments to the audience out there, sir. Closing comments. I don't really know what to say, man. All I want to <laughs> say is this. I, I, I just want to say this, man. Tune in on real talk because 
Brother Joseph, he's going to have real people on here talking about no fluff, no rehearsing, no nothing. Just, and this is a, just, that's a conversation on different people's point of views because this is something. It's not just another podcast out there. It just means something. You know, it has meaning behind a, a deal. If you're looking for an energy source on just surrounding yourself with people who are putting out something with some good output, tune in. You know, tune in because I believe that this platform right here is going to be something that's going to impact somebody. And uh, that's, that's my closing comment. Keep tuning in, y'all, because it's value in here. It's energy being put into this thing so you can plug into this thing like a life socket. So, yeah, I hope that's what you was looking for because that's it. No, I'm just looking for the real talk, sir. And you put it down. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Brother Willie out there, the CEO, my brother from another mother. Appreciate your kind words, your words of support, your words of encouragement. Like I said, Brother Willie and I go back across oceans in Europe. Africa, United States. Uh, he's a great man, great father. I mean, been an awesome guest today. I got to get you back on here in the near future with our brother Moye so we can get a, you know, we meet three or more, you know what I'm saying? So we can get it cracking on another level. Once again, you've been a great, great guest. You really enlightened me on some things. And I know all the listeners out there are going to be well educated and well stimulated in many different facets of their being. I hope everybody has a safe weekend. Getting ready for the last week of January. Stay warm if you're in the cold. Stay cool if you're in the heat. Remember, family, friends, don't take it for granted. Like Brother McIntosh said, keep the faith. Don't let nobody cut you down. Don't let nobody tear you down. Don't worry about who people who say what they won't do. Ask them what they don't do. Because mm. you gotta have the willpower to go out there and do it. And if they already tell you they won't do it, then you know they ain't, they ain't got the willpower. I appreciate uh, y'all tuning in out there on the Real Talk with AJ podcast with Brother Willie McIntosh out there in Colleen, Texas. We're looking for the episode. We're looking for future episodes. We're definitely going to have Brother McIntosh back on here soon. And as I always say in closing, the best ability is availability. All right, y'all. Y'all take care out there. Brother Willie, you take care. I'll be hollering at you sooner than later. Holla, bro. Thank you. Peace.